So our topic of the day is crazy parent stories from sports. That's yeah. what we've been talking about. Um, so I was talking to him, and I, I was about to tell you that I don't remember a lot of them from uh, hardly any of them. I mean, mm-hmm. my memory's long gone from those days, but I do remember one. So we would go to tournaments regularly in the spring and summer. I played traveling soccer, and you normally would have four teams in a group. Highest two point totals advanced to the next round. It's normally two groups, so you'd, you'd have four advanced, two semifinals, and then a final. So you play five games over a weekend. This particular tournament, I think we lost our first game and then tied the second. So we went to the third game with basically no chance to advance, mm-hmm. right? So they put us on a field, and it had rained a good amount that week. That was terrible, all right? So <laughs> basically, this is how it worked. One half of the field was all grass. It was wet, it was all grass. The other half of the field, complete entire mud. I mean, when I say mud, mm-hmm. I don't mean there were splotches of mud. I mean, it was all mud. So and how f- old are you again? 16 or 17. Okay. I was about uh, to say, if this is 6 or 7, this is like, this is awesome. Yeah, so 16 <laughs> or 17. So we're, we're still going to try to win the game, right? <clears throat> First half, we defended the grass side. So they defended the mud. The minute you get over the half line into the mud, you were stuck. You could quick just, sand. You just couldn't move. And did the ball even roll? No. Oh my god. That's how bad it was. Like you, I don't even know if it ever got to the eighteen. You know the 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 goal box. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if it ever made it without someone booting it from really far. But the minute it hit the mud, it would just stop. So if we're defending the grass side, even if the ball went over half, it just come back onto the grass, and they would be attacking, right? So they scored four goals. But defensively, all, all you had to do was just kick it over into the mud? Yeah. You, you would think that, but, I mean, you're just defending all the time, and yeah. eventually they break through. So right. they scored four goals in the first half. Well, we switch mm-hmm. after half. So now they're defended. We score five goals Uh-oh. in the second half and beat them. Mm. One of the parents, and I, this older gentleman, comes out. So we would not call him a Karen. We'd call him a Keith? A Keith. Okay, We're going to go with a Keith. He picks up his folding chair and takes off after the ref. Like, he literally wants to kill him. I mean, he, I've never seen someone this mad over a game that didn't matter. Yeah. And he literally took off after the ref. Chair up over his head. Like, he wanted to smash him with now, it. Now, is this WWE high style. school ref, or is this, like... I mean, it's a tournament ref, so this guy refs... So he's getting paid to do it. Yeah, he's getting okay. paid to do it. I was going to say, yeah. if he's a volunteer and you're getting upset at an ump... Mm, no, he's he's getting paid to do it. I mean, he probably refs, you know, high school games mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that. And we were just laughing. Did I call it an ump? Yeah, I think I did. It, it shows how much ref, I know but, about soccer. Um, <laughs> but both teams are just kind of looking and... Just most the boys, it's all boys. We're just got to laugh and like, oh, yeah. is this really going on? It's like, but for stories of, of parents, like, you know, we were talking about baseball earlier and how involved the parents are. That's one I definitely remember. So they had folding chairs back then? Mm-hmm. Not like the lawn chair type thing with it folded. No, you, ma- you remember those, <laughs> remember those chairs that had like, I don't even know what it was. It was are like dating na- ourselves? Like nylon, you know, like those 80s chairs with yeah. that were like green and white. I think it was one of those. Yeah. I don't really remember, but I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure. It definitely folded because he had it up over his head and it was folded. Dang. And he was about to smash the rough with it. 
Hey, you know, I've, I've watched a lot of sports from the sidelines and and on the court. But, I mean, all right, let's just take it from on the court. There's been some times I've had a few choice words with refs. Yeah. but And gotten kicked out of games for, for doing so. Um, but I've never been so irritated that I wanted to go after them. I don't – there was nothing really going on in the Let game. Let alone from watching it – from the other side of the field. We got a penalty kick later in the game. I think it was our fourth goal, and maybe that's what he was mad about. Mm-hmm. But, like, there wasn't anything in the game that was uh, – maybe we, we were rougher than the other team. I don't mm-hmm. know, but there wasn't anything serious in the game. There's no red cards or anything like that, so I don't know. So I got two stories about yelling at refs uh, on the basketball court. So one game, uh, before we start the game – I had a gold necklace in high school with a number 13 on it because I was gangster, right? Yeah, definitely gangster. Yeah, I mean, nothing spells Fairview gangster. gangster. Yeah, you talk about urban life. Um, that would be Fairview, Tennessee. No, Fairview is the opposite of urban life. Right. It's a farm town, small farm town outside of Nashville. But anyways, um, I have a gold chain, and I knew better to take it off, but I just forgot that I had it on. So the ref sees this in warm-ups and whatnot, and doesn't say a thing. Right, waits, thanks for going to take it off. Right. Waits until the game starts. So doesn't warn me when I'm walking out on the court, like, hey, you, you need to take your chain off or whatnot. None of that. Waits until the game starts and then blows the whistle, tees me up, says, you got a necklace. Like, my coach is like, you got to be kidding me. Why didn't you just tell us ahead of the time if you already saw it? And maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. I don't know. I feel like he probably did because it was super quick. Yeah. So I think I think he already knew. Um, so I get a technical for that. I'm like, dang. All right, well, that's one technical. In high school, you get two technicals right. and you're out, right? So I come down the court, and um, I think I was going in for a dunk, which was rare because um, a lot of times, especially in my junior year, I needed to have yeah. a fast break. But anyways, I come down, and I feel like I've got an opening, and I, I go up for a dunk, and this kid takes my legs out. They don't call a foul. So – I'm not laying on the court in pain. I'm pissed off. Right. <laughs> so I sprint down the court, and I don't think it was the same kid, and it could have been, but I, this was 20-some-odd years ago, so I don't remember. But then this other person goes up for a layup, and I pin it against the backboard. I don't think I got a body on him or anything. Keep in mind, all I'm thinking about is I just got my legs. In, in basketball, nothing would irritate me more you know, because I, I was athletic and I could, you know, sometimes play above the rim, especially in college I could play above the rim. But nothing irritated me more than if I get up in the air and you take my legs out, it's you could paralyze me, right? It's so the worst. I would just go irate. So I'm pissed off about that. Then I get a clean block and he calls a foul. Same ref that teed me up for having my necklace mm-hmm. on. And so obviously I, get, I have a few choice words for him. Tease me up. I'm not thinking anything because I forgot about the technical that I got to start the game. All right, all right, I'll calm down. He teed me up, and finally, coach is like, "That's it, dude. You're done for the day." I was like, "I, I, I barely said anything. I, I mouthed off. I apologize." He's like, "No, no, no. This ain't up to me. You're kicked out of the game. That's too technical." So I was like, "Oh, you gotta be kidding me!" So this was one of our rivals, and this is like towards the beginning of the game. So I sit out three quarters of a basketball game, which. At the time, I'm not only working on a school record, but I'm also working on being all-state player. 
And being from Fairview, you've got to have the stats. You've got to have points per game, rebounds per game, and all that, just to get noticed. I mean, you really got to excel above everybody else in order to get noticed from this small farm town. So playing a game, because I did play it, it, I ended the game with eight points. I mean, it crushes your yeah. statistical average. That game average. counts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that game counts. Yeah. So that was number one. Number two was um, – we were playing another uh, team that they had like a six six guy, and he could jump out of the gym. So, only thing he could do was dunk, really. But you know, couldn't in high shoot. school, you know, he couldn't shoot. If you're uh, athletic enough, you can. And he had a terrible attitude; like he was a punk, man. So we're we're kind of killing this team, and he comes down and dunks, and they go nuts. And again, nothing really irritates me more than if you're losing by twenty points. And then you go down and dunk, and then you come back like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, that, that's great. You dunked. You got two points. You're still down by 18 points. Mm-hmm. Don't gloat. I mean, it's like you won the game. It's like you hit the game-winning right. shot because you dunked. I mean, that's just – you're a punk if you do that. So this was my junior year as well. This was, I think, my first dunk. Um, so I come down, and, you know, it was a two-on-one, and, and you got a lane, and I dunked it. And then I'm like, all right, cool. So I'm talking. I'm jabbing to this guy, right? And I'm like, yeah, you dunk. I dunk to anybody can dunk, but we're still up by 20. So then he comes down, and he spots up at the three, and I get a lane, and I run and jump and block his shot on a three. Maybe I've gotten a piece of him or something, body. Ref calls a foul. and it, But all I care about, I'm not worried about the foul. I, I blocked his shot. I dunk, you dunk, I blocked your shot. I got the better of you. So I'm jawing with him, right? And I'm letting him know. And a ref is coming and separating us or whatnot. I'm not paying attention. And I'm saying something to, to this guy. And he tees us up, right? So I'm like, this guy get a tee or I get a tee. So ref walks down to my coach, talks to my coach. There's a technical on me. And I'm like, this guy was talking just as much as I was. So you should be double. Coach motions for me to come over to the bench. So I come over to the bench. I'm like, Coach, I, I was just trash talking a little bit. We're just going back and forth. And why did I get the technical and not him? And my coach was one of those coaches. He grits his teeth. You can see his teeth. And he's animated and whatnot. And it was like God intervened and just lowered the volume in the gym to where you could hear a pin drop. Right before he said this, he goes, it doesn't help when you call him an MF-er. But he didn't say MF-er. And I'm like, my parents are up in the stands. They just heard that. So that's what – and I, I probably did. I probably – I was a foul-mouthed youth and, and probably a punk myself. But that's my story of my technicals. Nice. Yeah. So outside of basketball – is there something that you like, and we all know hunting, so we can we can talk about hunting, but is there something that you like to do that maybe no one really knows about? Mm-hmm. And I know people definitely, you know, a lot of people that know you know your background in basketball and that you now, you know, do a lot of hunting uh, here in Tennessee, which, you know, there's a lot of hunting here in Tennessee, but there's something you like to do maybe that some people wouldn't even know that you that's something you like to do. <laughs> All right. Yeah, my wife will get a kick out of this one. You know, like watch American Idol or, you know, something something silly like that. Leaf blow. Are you serious? Yeah. 
every I kid Here, you not. You can come over to my house and you can blow out all the June bugs out of my garage. Well, we don't. My, it's, when I say leaf blow, I get the leaf blower out, right? But it's for all kinds of things. Right now in Tennessee, the the trees are blooming and whatnot. Oh, yeah. We've got pollen everywhere. Yep. And I'm very particular. As soon as I pull in the driveway, we've got a long driveway, fenced in yard. We live on some acreage where we're at. Um, kids' toys are in the driveway or whatnot. So w- one of the first, I'm, I, this is my OCD coming. Oh, yeah. One I know of the first, all about your OCD. Yeah. One you of remember first, when we used to work together, you'd have your calendar all neat oh, at your desk. The and I'd calendar. Come over, I'd come over and I'd Do they draw, make those anymore? Draw something on it. And you'd be like, no. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because back then, we, I mean, we probably did. I didn't calendar. use technology. Yeah. I hardly use technology well, that was today. 2004 and 2005. It's a big paper calendar. Uh-huh. And you'd write all your appointments and stuff on it. And then I'd come over and draw like Ooh. a triangle on it. And you'd be like, Not no. just that. Y'all would put my pen somewhere else and like rearrange right. my desk. But yes, that would drive me nuts. Especially to the calendar off. because I couldn't fix you it. You can't get that off. Uh-uh. So yeah, that would irritate me. So I would I'd pull in the driveway, and the first you know kids are probably inside or in the backyard or something playing on the trampoline. So the first thing I do is I pick up their toys right. and, and put them in in the garage, which I shouldn't do because what does that teach my kids? Just leave Just their toys out, and it irritates the crap out of me. And they they will pull. You've seen the their the garage that all their mm-hmm. toys are in. They'll pull everything out just to play with one. Could toy. be some wire cutters in there. <laughs> bolt cutters. There's bolt cutters. There's that's definitely it. some bolt cutters in there. Matt's been begging me to bring bolt cutters to the office for like four months <laughs> at least and i keep forgetting so i'll clean up the toys and then get in the house say hi to the kids and wife and whatnot and then the first thing i do is i grab my leaf blower and i go blow off the driveway and the porches and, right. and the that patio awesome so i don't know if it's like a, it is i won't say i don't know it is it's like a stress relief thing yeah, and it's also sense. i like i don't like anything on the driveway i don't like anything on the sidewalks or the patios or the porches and i just like things to be clean and so yeah every single day sometimes multiple times a day especially this time of year when pollen and all that and is falling i get the leaf blower out I did not know that. Yeah. And now I am going to remember that. But yeah. I will say your driveway and your patio tend to be very clean. And with the amount of trees you have, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. That's because I do that. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. It, it also made me a believer in some things electric. So I had, I have this issue with small engines with my weed eater. And then at the time I had a small engine leaf blower. Small engines, I cannot get them to freaking work. They yeah. always flood, I, irritates the crap out of me. This leaf blower, I've had an electric one too. Yeah, and I've had it for years, and it, it it's good. It's it's annoying because you got to get the extension cord out and run it. But no, 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 mine's battery powered. Oh, you got the battery powered. one. Yeah, I got a battery powered one. I got a plug in one, and it, it'll run for forty five minutes and yeah. whatnot. And if you're leaf the blowing for more than forty five minutes, huh? Black and Decker. No, it's um, it's blue. Right, right, Ryobi. Oh yeah, Ryobi. Is that blue? Mm-hmm. So I think it's that one, and it's a like a, I think a forty-eight volt or something like that. But you know, it's a battery about that big that you shove into the back of it, and it'll last for thirty or forty-five minutes. And if you're leaf blowing for more than 35, 30, 45 minutes, then you got an issue, which I do. So I have a backup battery. So it's sitting on the charger. <laughs> <laughs> it sits on the charger where I'm leaf blowing the other one. When I leaf blow, I can't wait to be done. Like I'm like, how fast can I get this done? I, to me, it's just one of those weird things. It's a stress relief for me. Yeah. I've got, there are those things out there that a lot of us do 
and other people look at like like I'm looking at you like right now about leaf blown. Like what the heck is this guy? It's better about? than crack cocaine. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> this is true. I've never had crack cocaine. Uh, I grew up in an area that had a lot of crack cocaine, but yeah, I didn't. I didn't partake in that that deal. Yeah. Yeah. So, when you were you were speaking about growing up in the hood. I you know I kind of. I didn't slurred. grow up in the hood. I grew up in the wood. I grew up in the hood. Right. Now, it didn't start that way um, because I, I mean I went to a Catholic grade school. I was smack in the middle of our neighborhood. Mm-hmm. But what happened is in literally 10 years, and this... See, what would happen was... Yeah, what would happen was, I grew up in the North, um, although I'm starting to get some Southern slang going. Because you've been here for almost 20 years. Almost 20, 2004, so Mm -hmm. 17 years. But what happened is in just one decade, it's amazing, and as I'm older now, in one decade I saw the whole neighborhood change, you Mm -hmm. know, and it just went from... A probably lower middle class or middle class is probably middle class to a lower middle class and or even somewhat poor neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And crime went up, you know, gang activity went up, drugs went up. And, mm-hmm. you know, we stayed there all the way through through high school. So, you know, tech from the real world, mm-hmm. right? I know tech from That's the real cool. world. Yeah, he was uh, he became an actor. Yep. Yeah. He's, I think they're on. I think they're doing a challenge. He's um, still doing that. He does. He's hardly ever done any of them. That's uh, secret about. I don't watch that much TV, but one of Amber and I's favorite shows to watch is The Challenge. Like it's one of those things mm-hmm. we watch. Like everyone. Like yeah. like some people watch The Bachelor and you know American Idol, whatever it is. We watch The Challenge. So after you talk about your story of growing up in the hood, let's talk about what your obsession is on TV, and I'll tell you what my uh, obsession gotcha. is on TV. So anyway, I won't, I won't draw on it, but it's, you know, growing up in the hood, it, and people laugh, and they're like, you didn't grow up in the hood. And then for the people I've taken there, like, holy cow, mm-hmm. you grew up in the hood. And it's give or take worse now. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I tell this story, my, when my parents got divorced, about junior year. It's outside dad, of Peoria, right? Right. So my mom stayed in the house. My dad moved about a mile away, give or take, probably a little less than that onto a street, real nice house, and the street behind it was known for gang activity. My dad just happened to move next door to a cop, mm-hmm. a, you know, 20-year veteran on police force, and then he also lived r- right across the street from a mortuary, which had a big parking lot. Well, the cops That's in the na- freaky. Well, the cops in the neighborhood, they would just come and sit in the parking lot because mm-hmm. this is a centralized location. Yeah. Then when they got a call, they would take off. So there's cops in front of our house all day long. Right. So you felt safe there because cop next door, mm-hmm. cops across across the way in the in the parking lot. I'm not kidding. They'd be in there all the time. In fact, when they would pick someone up in the neighborhood, they bring the paddy wagon to the mortuary and load up there. Mm. That's how they would do it. Well, anyway, the street behind us was known for gang and drug activity. And they actually put a couple blocks over on that street, revolving cameras on the light posts. Mm-hmm. At that time, there was only about three or four places east of the Mississippi that had that, and it was mainly in Camden and Baltimore that had them. Mm-hmm. And then that street in Peoria, that's how bad it was. So not the cities, but the streets, Baltimore and Camden. No, Baltimore. No, the cities in Baltimore and Camden, because Camden's always been known as one of the worst cities in the U.S. for crime. Oh, and, and I thought Balt- you were naming streets. Ba- Baltimore, too. So there's some streets there. 
that would have cameras on the light posts, mm-hmm. but you never saw cameras on light posts. Hmm. And they actually put them uh, in Peoria in there. So long story short, yes, the hood was an interesting place to grow up. But you you learn a lot, you know, kind of <laughs> you learn how to be careful. Yeah. Learn, learn how to fend for yourself. Um, and, you know, we it, with my friends and I that all live there, you 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 grow a pretty big bond because, you know, the high school I went to was completely split down the middle, you know, 50% white, 50% other. But if you played a sport, everybody just kind of got along. It mm-hmm. was it was kind of a weird thing, you know. Of course, there's fights, but there's fights in all high schools. Yeah. But everybody just kind of, kind of I was friends with the football players, I was friends with the baseball players, because I, you know, I played soccer. And, you know, then you see people out in the neighborhood and it's like, you know, go to your school. So mm-hmm. it was definitely interesting though. you see things that no one else gets to see and yeah. stuff that you don't want to see right. and you wish you wouldn't have seen. You don't mm-hmm. know it as as a teenager, you think you're invincible. So if you've never grown up, you don't know any different. But now that I look back and I'm like, I see I, I see things in my kid. I saw things that my kids would never see. Right. Like furniture. So I saw things that I don't want them to see. Mm-hmm. And even though the experience can shape a person, you know, you feel lucky that you actually got out of that because some of my friends didn't. Like, not not that they, you know, were killed or something like that, but they succumb to some of the, mm-hmm. the bad stuff that, that goes on there. And it's unfortunate. So enough on that. Well, Yeah. Well, mine was completely opposite. I grew up in not suburban. I grew up in rural yeah, you know Fairview, Tennessee. So the complete opposite. Now it was still a neighborhood, um, but it was lower middle class. And you know, I, I tell people it'd be some people, especially if they're entrepreneurs, it's like they overcame so much to become an entrepreneur. It's like kind of like what you're talking about. Some of those things actually give you some type of foundation to drive away from. Mm-hmm. It can actually be a benefit to to help you excel. It can almost be like a like a springboard. Like, oh my gosh, I got to get out of here. My mm-hmm. brother and I would sit and talk about it. Like, we cannot stay here, and that's that's part of the reason I moved away from Peoria in general. Not because I dislike the town, but it just when it's ingrained in you, what happened through those years when you're developing the most, mm-hmm. kind of just want to move away from it mm-hmm. and expand and say, there's got to be something bigger and better, right? And that's kind of what. So it kind of gives you that sense of urgency or that motivation. Mm-hmm. And, and I always say that I, I had the worst advantages in life because I had no disadvantages. Right. <laughs> I mean, it was lower middle class and, you know, parents were parents. My dad was a dad and always around, picked me up from school, coached me in baseball. And I, I had, I really had it all. I don't look back on my childhood and be like, man, this was really tough. Other than, you know, being lower middle class, you know, there was times when my mom was investing in her company and she didn't own the company. She worked for it, right. but she was having to invest in her company, not having to. She she chose to invest in her company because she had a long term vision and my dad got laid off. So her source of income was our only income. But then more than half of her income was going towards buying into the company. So there were years that we lived off of very Lean. little, but I didn't know it. You know, I know, you know it now looking back mm-hmm. because my favorite, one of my favorite things to eat is ketchup and cheese. <laughs> Take sliced cheese and eat ketchup. And it was because, you know, I'm sure there were now looking back on it, I didn't know it then. My dad would play a game. You know, you're hungry at night or whatnot. And my dad's like, oh, I got a cool game. Let's find something in the fridge and just mix it together and eat. 
And lo and behold, a lot of times it was cheese and ketchup. So, but, you know, look, yes, there were tough financial times. But as a kid, I didn't know any different. I I was like, dude, this is awesome. You know, so I didn't have any of that. No drugs to speak of in our town. Maybe meth, if meth was a thing, because that's typically like a rule thing. (laughs) But none of that. No gangs. Um, And it was also... And I'm sure it was even in your neighborhood, dude. I could ride my bike for miles, and it, I don't care if I was five miles away. I could always hear my dad's whistle. You and could ride your bike for miles between ages for me about zero and twelve. Anywhere after twelve, if it was after dark, you had to be careful mm-hmm. where you went. You had to be careful. Yeah, not not us. We play in the woods. Um, we had a uh, two places in our area. One was called the Trails. So it was nothing but bike trails and jumps and stuff. And I'm talking tons where all the kids in the neighborhood would help kind of develop the bike trail. So it was either there or we go across the street into the woods and those um, vines that come down from trees, we cut one off and we'd be able to swing over a creek and then jump off the vine and whatnot. Things that if your kids did today, you'd have a heart attack. And we'd climb trees that were 50 feet tall. The vines here are serious. I mean, Mm -hmm. they are serious. I, I was in our woods like Cut, cutting out a huge branch out of one because it's mm-hmm. overhanging into the yard and I don't want it to fall in the yard, so yeah. I wanted to get it out of there. And this vine was all wrapped around it, and I'm like, man, this thing's tough. <laughs> yeah. Like, this easily could hold me. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's cool. That's cool to hear the, the backstory of, of where you came from. Yeah, and, I, you know, part of the reason I think that's important is, you know, when we talk to two people, you know, I always have a perspective of you never really know where people came from and you never know what they really went through. So I've always tried to listen and, you know, understand what what their not what their hurts are, but more or less what their goals are, what they're what they're trying to achieve, but more importantly, why? You know, what's got them to this point to talk to us and say, Hey, I want to do more. You know, and oftentimes that leads to the backstory mm-hmm. of what that person's life was like. And sometimes you end up running into someone that grew up very similar to how you did. And mm-hmm. so you can relate. And I think that's important for what we do to get to know our clients. And we do because once they're with us, they're with us for good. And we we get to know them over time. But, you know, we, we try to get to know them as much as possible on the front end as well. Because we want to build that relationship and 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 know where they came from and understand where they want to go, so we can help them do that. Right. Yep. Good stuff. Well, cool. All right. I think we're done for this episode. On to the next. Hit the subscribe button. Sorry, I've been chewing gum, but subscribe button. The like button's below. Subscribe button is over here. We need to have a freaking YouTube video in front of us so that we know where to point and whatnot. Well, you think at this point, after several years and millions of views, we'd know where to freaking point. I just look at the colors. I mean, you can't do that because you're colorblind, but yeah. nonetheless. All right. Well, anyway, subscribe, hit the like button, um, and comment below if you have any questions. Take care, gang. God bless. God bless. God bless.